listen to William Castle, whom the Saturday Evening Post calls the master of movie horror. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. And you will, too, when you come to this theater and see my picture, 13 Ghosts. Uh, no more dictation today. Well, 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 nice to have you back for another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats with uh, Katie and Izzy. Our second bonus episode. Da 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 da! <laughs> and for this one, we actually have some like miscellaneous stuff to throw in at the end. So if you are into the facts and stuff that we throw out, stay for the whole thing. Yeah, there's some there, there's cool stuff. Cool stuffs. Without further ado, because you already know what this one is about, 13 Ghosts, the 1960 version. This, unlike the other one, is classified as a horror mystery, which kind of tells you that there's a big difference already. We both just watched this for the first time this past week. <laughs> so, yay! Yep. Yay! <laughs> I like this one more than the original. Or, I'm sorry, this is the original. I like <laughs> I this sorry, one more than the remake. And I like the remake more than the, the original, personally. So now we're not friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I don't think there's anything that could divide a 26-year friendship. And families that have been together for like 100 years. So, you know... <laughs> Agreed. So this one, obviously, is uh, this 13 Ghosts is directed by William Castle. Nonetheless, you know, we uh, talked about the production team that literally was made to just kind of remake his movies. So uh, as we talked about many a times, William Castle is known for like his promotions and the way he got people to come and see his movies. And for this movie, he did 3D Glasses. Which, it wasn't it completely new, but I don't think many people were doing it. I think it started in the 20s, if I remember. I'm sure, I'm sure it was hard to do, so. But the way, the way he did it, like now we have, uh, they look like glasses, and I think one is red and one is blue or something like that. Yeah. The way yeah. he did it is he had them stacked, so it was like a line of red and like a line of blue, I think. And so when you looked through the red one, you could see the ghosts very defined, like they were popping out at you. And if you looked through the green one, like it didn't look, I don't know. It didn't look the same. It was a huge hoot. Hoot and a half. It's kind of hard to watch this movie on like YouTube or something because you can't see the ghosts as well as I think they were intended to be seen with 3D. I but, know there's been some people out there that have tried to like kind of like mess with the video settings just like kind of make it so you can see the ghost just a little bit more but yeah it's really hard I think the lion's the hardest to see in my personal opinion oh, I thought the lion was the easiest one to see that one in the oh. the flaming ghost the head yeah. the headless guy he's really hard to see with the lion but the trailer that we played at the beginning of this um, is William Castle introducing his magic of the what he called illusion viewers uh, <laughs> and I love that trailer and everyone should go watch it just because he is 
he's such a goofball. Like at the very beginning where he's like, no more notes, please. He's talking to a skeleton that's just sitting in a, in a chair in his office. <laughs> and it's great. And he has an extreme butt chin. And my son would think that's hilarious. That's like his favorite thing is butt chins. It's great. Uh, uh, the chims and crin. No, the, yeah, the chim, chim. I know, I know what you're referencing. It's the Fairly Odd Parents. Fairly Odd Parents. But I don't remember the name of it. The... I, I think it's a crimson. It's the crimson chin. That's what it is. Okay, that's red. Crimson. There you go. Crimson chin. It's kind of a bummer. William Castle isn't around today because I w- would be interested to see what kind of gimmicks he would do with the types of movies that he could put out with all the special effects these days. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, we go into the writer who, as always, likes to do William Castle stuff. Uh, it's it's Rob White again. He's he's back at it with another one of our podcasts. <laughs> uh, we should just call this the Rob White podcast. He, yeah, I guess so. And I think this is one of the reasons you said you weren't you weren't like in love with the original the way that I liked it was because it the storyline is fair like there's a lot of similarities between this and house on haunted hill in the mystery and the family type aspect and i feel like that's just kind of rob white's thing like those are what he writes it's kind of like when you read uh not pornographic books what are they called (laughs) like romance erotic yes erotica where it's like the same storyline over and over again they just if you're a friend's fan, it's like throw in 40 different European cities, 30 different euphemisms for dick, and there you go. There's <laughs> your love story. It's kind Bruh. of what he did. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Anyways, moving on to the cast. Uh, four or five of these actors had birthdays in December. And I was like, I wonder if this was filmed in December and they just had one massive cast party because that would be cool. It would make it a lot easier than trying to throw six, four different birthdays. That's true. And I'm sure they wouldn't have appreciated that. But yeah, my my favorite uh, character is Buck Sorba, who's this like, I don't know, nine or ten year old in the movie. Yeah, Buck's the shit. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's great. He's not afraid of anything. Uh, but he was played by Charles Horbit, and the real life Charles had such a sad life. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, he had like the typical life of a childhood star. Uh, his last Hollywood appearance was around age 20 because he just kind of lost like his cute little boy self. And his parents weren't great and they got all of his money that he made while he was working as a child star and he didn't see any of it and because he was such a desired young actor he didn't like finish school or anything because that wasn't a requirement back then right and so by the time he was like not wanted and not getting these parts he had no education he didn't have any money so naturally he got into drugs until what else do you do in hollywood yeah for like 40 years or something. I don't know. It was ridiculous. And then in 2005, he finally got clean. And then he died of a heart attack at the age of 66. Damn. That is a rough life. 
but it wasn't 40 years that he was on drugs but it probably felt that way <laughs> but i'm sure yeah it was just like really sad that is unfortunate it's it's sad to see child stars grow up to be so horribly terrorized i'm wondering if because it's become so well known because of all the disney and uh nickelodeon stars if there are better legal protections for children you would hope so but yeah at the same time i mean we did read how much they tried to screw over betty davis and stuff i mean britney spears is a grown adult and she's still getting screwed so (laughs) yeah she doesn't have access to any of her own money she gets paid yeah that's a whole shit show and a half uh so let's move on with the cast we have the mom who is hilda zorba i love the last name zorba it's the weirdest thing i keep wanting to say zebra though when i see it written down it's very Um, like exotic sounding it is but that is played by joe morrow you take madame zoroni up the mountain (laughs) (laughs) i love that movie so much i know me too (laughs) We have the lawyer, who is Benjamin Rush. Uh, he is played by Martin Milner. Uh, and then, of course, go- the family is all split up, and it threw me off for a second. So then there's the daughter, which is Medea Zorba, who's played by Rosemary DeCamp. She's really pretty, by the way. Um, and then the father is Cyrus Zorba. You know, shout out to the remake in 2001. Cyrus is the uncle in that one but this one he is the father and technically nephew of uh how he that's how he inherits the house still but he is um he's played by donald wood woods sorry there's an s on that that's woods and the last major character is the medium and housekeeper margaret hamilton is who played her And you may remember her as the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz. She did look familiar, and there was no way that I could place her. That makes sense. And based off the way she looked in this 1960 13 ghost movie, I'm pretty sure she was also the inspiration for the look of Jimmy Neutron's teacher. Hi. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, her biggest thing was The Wizard of Oz. That was her big claim to flame. Claim to fame, and she, uh, like carried that shit her whole life, which I love. Like I hate when stars have big movies or something that like everyone knows them for, and then they like resent it later. They're like, no, I'm more than that character. Um, like Sarah Michelle Gellar, for instance, has never talked bad about being Buffy, and she will. She loved playing Buffy. And whether she, like, actually does or not, but she would never, like, upset her fans by being like, no, I wish people would stop talking about that. Like, Jim Carrey, I understand, but Jim Carrey hates it when people reference his pet detective show. Ace Ventura. Yes. Um, And I don't know if he's, like, aggressive towards fans about it or just, like, when he's working, he doesn't want other people distracting him when he's trying to get in the zone for a different character. Uh, but well, oh, so maybe that's a bad example because that's probably when it is well like okay so before paul walker died who i love rest in peace beautiful man um he actually when fans would walk up to him and be like hey paul what's up and, like stuff so he'd like sit there and like be like hey thank you take a picture with him and, and kind of walk away but if somebody walked up to him and was like yo uh 
Connor. <laughs> Connors. Why am I blanking on his name all of a sudden? Brian. Brian O'Connor. When they would walk up and they'd be like, yo, Brian, he would actually like end up sitting down and talking with those people because he loved playing Brian O'Connor. He thought that was like, he really embodied that character and he loved when his fans would actually come up and talk to him in that way rather than like go after him as like Paul Walker. And I think that's really interesting. And I'm really sad that he died because he was a wonderful human. <laughs> Back to the movie. So this made so many little tangents. Sorry. Oh yeah, we're not with it today. This is why we do it every other week. It takes us a week just to get in the get in the zone. All right. Yeah. So I'm gonna attempt to blow through this synopsis. It's gonna be confusing as shit, but uh, stick with just me. Bear with us, yeah. <laughs> Same with the original Thirteen Ghosts. The family of the Zorbas is in a financial bind. They inherit a mansion from a long-lost uncle, Dr. Zorba, who mysteriously died smothered to death in his bed. A little bit different than the original. They were warned by his lawyer that with the house, they inherit its ghosts, which the doctor spent years studying and collecting. Also different from the original, they got the heads up and still they were like, you know what? We're poor. We'll take it. They really have no other choice. They move in anyways, thinking it's all just a bunch of hocus pocus. <laughs> so naturally, the first thing they do in this presumably haunted house is play with a Ouija board. <laughs> That's the smart thing to do in these kinds of houses when you're told there's already ghosts there. I know. Is pull out a flippin' Ouija board. Uh, and they describe the Ouija board as being like, we means yes. Ja is German for yes. It says yes, yes, board, which I don't get the name of, but that's okay. And the Ouija board plays, like it starts playing back because the ghosts are answering and they ask, uh, is anyone going to die again? I don't know why you would ask a Ouija board that. And it points a to a really their... bad question. I know you don't tempt it. <laughs> uh, it points to the eldest daughter and all she says is, don't ask it when, I don't want to know. And they all just, like, walk away from that. Like, it's perfectly normal that that just happened. Well, a portrait almost falls and crushes the kids. And then they walk away like nothing happened. That's true. That's true. Uh, the father finds Dr. Zorba's workroom along with his diary or journal or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in this workroom, he keeps all of his artifacts. And this is where he finds the pair of goggles, which allow them to see the ghosts. So bag is carried They're over so funny looking <laughs> they are like big and bulky and very scientific looking they don't look like they just picked them up at the dollar store like in the new one yeah uh things start happening around the house as the ghosts start making themselves known the housekeeper which also came with the house explains which each ghost is which to the little boy and they find dr zorba's journal as i mentioned they get it translated and it turns out that the goggles were his greatest invention and that he, before his death, he had liquidated all of his assets and hidden the cash because someone was stealing from him. Which turns out to be like the main plot of the movie, but you don't get that till like halfway through. <laughs> okay, so during all of this, there's this handsome lawyer and the guy who executed Dr. Zorba's estate that hangs around and like hits on Medea or flirts with her or whatever. Dude, within like an hour of meeting her, he's like, D is she in love with me? Well, I think she clearly was infatuated with him and he was just using that to his advantage. I'm sure. And he is like from the get go. You can tell he's super shady. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and they make it very obvious that he was the one who was stealing from Dr. Zorba and that he's only there because he's trying to find the cash. And in he just the... wants the treasure. Exactly. And in the end, you find out that the housekeeper is a medium. The lawyer mechanized Dr. Zorba's bed to have like this big canopy lawyer, sorry, lower and smother him to death so that he could try and steal his money. And some of the haunting activity was the lawyer trying to scare the family out of the house so he could tear it apart to find the money. And in the end, he tries to kill the little boy in the bed because he knows where the money is. So the lawyer and the little boy are the only ones that know where the money is because they made a pact to be like, don't tell anybody. We're the money's for us. It's treasure. And uh, yeah, so he put he basically puts the little boy in the uncle's bed and starts lowering the canopy onto him and then the ghosts chime in (laughs) and then the uncle who turns out to be the 13th ghost or the 12th ghost i don't know i lost count of the ghosts Uh, the he ends up saving the boy murdering the lawyer and they all live happily ever after in that house and then it just ends like it doesn't say how they figured out that the lawyer yeah, it's just they're like, like, yeah, so it turns out it's him all along. He was trying to get the money. They're all counting the money happily on the table. Yeah, it just it just like very <laughs> abruptly ends. <laughs> but I still loved it. Uh, I think for every reason I said in the last episode, I liked that it was simple and like made sense. Whereas the new version was they just threw a bunch of like scientific occult shit in there and said, yeah, now it makes sense. But it was so <laughs> it was too much. It was too much. And it made me mad. Fair. But as I, I said, I thought this one was a little too simple. And I think that's that was my struggle. It was so like a cliche plot in my head. I think if you took for me, if you took like this storyline and mashed it with the 13 ghosts of the new one so that it was actually like creepy ghost like that would make sense to me i agree i like the ideas of the 13 ghosts originally from the from the remake because the black zodiac makes more sense in my head where these kind of ghosts just seem a little wishy-washy kind of randomly put together but that's because these are meant to represent real ghosts that you would come upon in a haunted situation those 13 ghosts that like you talked about are too specific too (laughs) obvious and not as realistic in our realm of ghost planes that we would come upon as like these ones but i do like those ones make for a more interesting movie and they're creepy so And we kind of mentioned as we were giving this synopsis, but the the things that were similar between the 1960 version and the 2001 version, uh, they both made a big deal of ghosts. Mm-hmm. The original one used new tech in, it's not new, it wasn't new specifically, but they like made it really cool to use 3D while the newer version used a lot of like the fancy effects and what we have learned 
new CGI techniques. Yeah. The glasses were the same. They they were they were both glasses to see ghosties with. Um obviously the new remake had fancier glasses, but <laughs> and multiple, not just one pair. That's but. true. They it was more normalized in that one. Um because he had like a whole crew. He was rich enough to just buy mer- pay for mercenaries. Whereas this yeah. Cyrus was very like shut off from the world. He was he was a professor just trying he literally was it was talked about like he had two friends and then he even like cut the medium off as like a friend, so and they both sent her around a family that's in debt, which I like that aspect because then you're you're like you can't just say, Oh, well why didn't you just leave? <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it gives you a feel for the family because it's, like, the only choice they had. Like, with, I think, Amityville Horror and The Conjuring, you can't be like, why didn't you guys just leave? Because they make it very they obvious. They put all of their money into the houses, yeah. Exactly. Um, it just adds to the storyline. Yeah. Um, also, it uh, each of them can uh, basically contain ghosts with unique backstories and have like an actual full backstory to why to their afterlives and while they're still on this planet kind of sort of (laughs) although as we said the newer version goes way more in depth for every 13 ghosts or all of them as the original only picked out a couple and said hey this is how they died and this is why they're haunting it they didn't give like they didn't give the files like the newer one did right which I do like some of that detail. I think it's intriguing. Uh, the Another similarity is that the ghosts aren't like intentionally violent towards the people in the house. Uh, in the original, they the only one that was like really murdery was the uncle who killed to protect his grand his nephew or whatever and to get revenge. And then in the newer version, uh it was they were only murdery when they were being controlled another one is that of course the entire well pretty much the entire movie is set on a single is like based on a single main focus so all the all the drama revolves around this like one single set which is the house of course the other similarity that i (laughs) pulled um is that women are kind of useless in both plots and with the exception of maggie (laughs) <laughs> who just adds a perfect comedic and seriousness of things of being smart I mean not only is she funny but she actually like assists in a way I guess because she helps shut down the machine but mm-hmm. in the original uh, the wife and the daughter they're very uh, just like there um, I've got kind of like an Adam and Eve vibe where the husband was like being really smart and like I don't know I don't know sounds suspicious or dangerous or whatever but the wife is like just do it do it like she was very just like telling him to do all these things and tempting him to take the money and things like that and in the go ahead I think of when she's just sitting in the kitchen watching all of these ghosts terrorize her kitchen and one of them opens the flower 
and just pours the flour everywhere on the floor. And then another one opens the milk and just starts pouring milk out. She's like, stop it! I'm done! And just storms out. I'm like, why'd you just watch them do all of that? Yeah, no one in the family was afraid of the ghosts. They were just like, oh, you're so annoying. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't like a, oh my god, they're terrifying. It was just, you guys are really annoying. Can you please just move on? (laughs) Exactly. They just like, it's like every time they walk out of the room, they just forgot what happened. Or like when, uh, when what was his name? Butch? Not Butch. The, uh, the, Buck. Yeah. Yeah. When Buck comes walking in, he's like, I saw a lion. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's nice. Now take this up to your sister. Yeah, they're like, good imagination. Haha, <laughs> that's funny. They're just in such denial. And then in the newer version, the reclamation expert lady was just this naive, lovesick pawn basically that gets used and then dies for it she doesn't even get like a redemption moment because matthew lillard's character got his redemption moment but that's because he's a badass and it's matthew lillard so but yeah they were all just kind of like there and then medea was that same lovesick oh maybe that's the character she's based off of is medea because she was this lovesick little puppy for the lawyer that had no idea that he was actually evil and they just changed it to the uncle instead yeah but she knew that he was evil she just didn't think it was going to turn on her yeah Hmm. Hmm. Uh. thoughts indubitably sometimes when we are putting together all these movies and these notes i feel like that meme with uh charlie from this that's that's always always sunny yeah, that's what I feel like. And everything sometimes. just looks like it's leading different places and it makes no sense at all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel sometimes. Yep. Um, I think it's really confusing some days. And then, well, the new version clearly spelled out why there has to be 13 ghosts. The original didn't really explain why 13. I don't think it was like there has to be 13. It just so happened that at the end of the movie, there were 13 ghosts in that house. Mm-hmm. the plots were different but oh yeah widely different yeah like i said the original uh the big plot was this mysterious death of the doctor plato zorba and his missing fortune uh, the ghosts were just kind of like there in the house <laughs> yeah and in the 2001 version the plot was basically all about survival and then until finding out that this is a whole setup and this this 13 ghosts is meant to open this entire thing where the uncle can now rule the world, basically. It, it, it was supposed to be written by a demon, so it, it is dumb, as we brought up, to think that like a demon would basically give you instructions on how to open the demonic world to rule it. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you want to rule the demon world? Here, let me write down this whole step where you have to collect all these ghosts, and then you got to put them in a circle. <laughs> you asked so nicely here. You guys are so cute. Oh, is that scars? Aww. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, like, I would love to think that if a demon did that, it's just a ruse to be like, haha, now I have power of the world because you opened my portal. Yeah, you just. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> like, oh, now my body and my brothers can come out. Dumb, dumb. The family's going to come out to play. Survival compared to living with ghosts. Because <laughs> in the in the remake, they don't last like a night in that house. 
they're fighting for their lives like the minute they get in the house that's true not only is it one house but it's one night like the whole movie is yeah and the movie in the original they've been at least then they've been in there at least three nights before they're like look we need to figure this out we need to get out of this house so in the new one they did bring over the lawyer who was just trying to get the money Uh, but like we said last episode that's where they solidified an exit from the traditional storyline was by murdering him and then you were just like oh no what the fuck's gonna happen now yeah, but it was the coolest death ever. <laughs> I find it weird that he didn't become a ghost as well. He wasn't cool enough. Well, uh, there had to be of something like that tied you to Earth, per se. So, like, maybe he just didn't have any d- other loose ends. Or maybe they were... Um, he was his ghost. ghostly figure was needed in other places of the world. I don't know. I have no idea, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was a traumatizing and quick enough death. So, just like the last one, we're going to go through each of the ghosts. And these, because it's really hard to see them in the movie, and they're not as, like, obvious in your face spelled out. I, I feel like you don't even see all of them. You do, but like I said, it's really hard, I think, because they were meant to be watched 3D. Mm-hmm. And I I think the version that we watched is meant is the original 3D version. It's not like a made-for-TV one. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Plus, it's black and white, and everything's gray, and they are spectral, and everything blends together. So, yeah. I actually pulled all of these 13 ghosts off the original movie poster, where it conveniently labels and numbers them all. <laughs> that is really convenient. I would have never known. In addition, they tell you that when they're reading Dr. Zorba's journal, that he traveled around the world to pick up these ghosts, and they say some of the places he went to. So, because we didn't get those cool backstories with these ones, I found famous ghosts in some of those places that he was mentioned to have gone to and added them to our ghosts as ones that could potentially have been ones he trapped. Okay. Fair. So, the first one is the Wailing Lady. And she is believed to be the first trapped by Dr. Zorba. The ghost that I felt embodied the Wailing Lady was from Ireland, and she is referred to as the Hanging Woman. Well, that's unfortunate. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) That was perfect. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, So there's a castle. I'm just going to preface this with, I apologize for pronunciations. Lemena Castle in County Clare, and it's one of the most salacious histories of all. Uh, okay, so there's this woman who is known as Red Mary, and she was known for her flaming locks. Katie, is this your previous Yeah, life? <laughs> I you, love it. Are you the hanging uh, woman? Uh, you, uh, uh, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not going to tell you the truth, so you'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so she's known for her red hair and her fiery temper. What? what? She ruled the castle very harshly. And uh, she, I guess, found joy in hanging servant girls from the windows by their hair until they died. Oh, cool. Um, Cool. I guess she was also married like 25 times. And 
that one of her husbands met an untimely death when his wife kicked him in the stomach until he died. So uh, yeah, that could cause some serious problems. She is unpleasant all around. I like to think I'm pleasant, so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she probably came back as like a pencil eraser or a I douche. Was a worm, but okay. <laughs> She had a lot of people who didn't like her, as you can imagine. Yeah, I probably and wouldn't like her. She eventually was kidnapped, encased in a hollowed-out tree, where she starved to death. That's so interesting, though. Like, why specifically a hollowed-out tree? I think that's dope as shit. Like, I that's really cool and interesting. The, it slightly gives me sleepy hollow feels. But like, the imagery is like picturing that in your head. Is outstanding, and I yeah. am going to attempt to draw it, and it's not going to look anything like the way I'm picturing it in my head. So, if you it's are okay. an artist, send us how you picture it, because yeah, in my head it's great. <laughs> Up until she died, I guess. But uh, today, right. Red Mary is said to haunt the ruins with her screams. So, I guess if you like stay at the castle, I don't know if it's a like one that was turned into like a bed and breakfast type thing. Because um, some of these were <laughs> a lot of castle haunted castles have been, but uh, people say that when they come across the castle, you can hear her scream. So the second the second ghost we see, and these are kind of off for me because I don't understand some of them. Like the clutching hand. Where's the hand? It's like thing. It's like thing from the Adams family. Well, um, that's all you I... see of him. He might be like possessing something and you just see the hand come through a wall or something like that there you go uh so so the ghost that could possibly be the clutching hand is the disembodied hand of Co costanza conti de cupis did oh, i say that even remotely right come on it's from rome costanza conti de cupi ah there we go <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't putting my fingers together thinking of this correctly. Um, but it's a famous ghost in Rome. Sometimes all a phantom can manage is a partial haunting. So, you know, in the 17th century, hand model. Oh, he was a hand model. It makes so much sense. A very okay. Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So, Costanza, renowned for the beauty of her, of her delicate appendages, uh, lost one to... Um, gangrene after wounding her finger while sewing which is really unfortunate because like a prick of a finger and that just bye finger bye bye uh it's very sleeping beauty yeah she got a prick and then like her whole life just ended it was on it was on a sewing wheel too boom maybe this was sleeping beauty instead just kidding sleeping beauty didn't die um <laughs> But the amputation didn't save her, unfortunately, and the ghost of her hand is said to hover in the window of the Palazzo de Cupis. De Cupi, sorry. De Palazzo de Cupi. Get it I together. Mean, I, I get the, I, I struggle with Italian. It makes me sound funny. Um, but it's on the west side of the, Izzy, can you help me out with this? Piazza more? Navona. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so on full moons, full moons, you might be able to see her hand just sitting there, in the window, modeling. Wave to it if you uh, if you see it. Maybe it'll wave back. 
you know it'd be really cool is if they turned that into like a jewelry store and then it would like model the jewelry <laughs> you just leave the rings sitting out like facing outwards toward the glass so the hand's just sitting in it exactly <laughs> or if people like paint mustaches on the window you can see it in and she like lines it up <laughs> that's too fun that's a great idea i love it <laughs> it's just a female thing in uh, number three is the floating head. I didn't look for anything to represent the floating head. I'm sure there's tons of cool ghosts out there, but I didn't look for one. And then number four. Yeah, there you go. That's all you need to know. Number four is the floating skeleton. And the you know what? The flaming skeleton. You're right. I was reading floating head because um, I was thinking it's of okay. the haunted <laughs> they mansion. Were, they were floating too. It's okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the one. Canon. That's the one. Uh, so the flaming <laughs> skeleton, number four, uh, he apparently burned to death in a fire. And this is also... Makes sense for flames and a skeleton. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, too obvious. <laughs> too obvious. Maybe he's burning in hell. Gosh, you don't well, know. Well, that sucks. Uh, this is believed... That's, that's unfortunate, too. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Uh, so this is believed to be the ghost that burns the number 13 onto Father Cyrus's hand in the original, which okay. I guess they predicted 13 ghosts. But like I said, it doesn't really play like a huge part in the movie, like the newer one. Right. Um, so located on the shores of Lower Law Fern, Tully Castle is a 17th century castle. With a tragic history. <laughs> Was it a castle? I, you know what? It might be a castle named Tolly Castle. Well, shit. It's a 17th. Guys, it's a castle. <laughs> in the, it's a 17th century castle um, named Tolly Castle. Cool. In this castle of the 17th century castles. Castle? <laughs> in 1641, which makes it a 17th century castle. Castle. On Christmas Day, the entire castle was burned down by a group of Irish rebels, which, throwback to the new version, around Christmas, the house gets burned down. Just saying. And that led to the death of many innocent women and children. Well, so, that's really sad. Associated with this historic massacre, Tully Castle, a 17th century castle, <laughs> was seen by locals as a damned place. The legend says that the castle is haunted by the spirits of all the victims who lost their lives on the tragic day and the ghosts make their appearance each year on Christmas. So it's a horrific haunted castle in a 17th century construction castle named Tully Castle. Yes, and this castle was aflame by people who didn't like this castle of the 17th century castles. Well, that's and... an unfortunate castle. Yes. Hoy, <laughs> castles. So the next... <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Uh, so the next ghost you get to hear about, you basically get the story from the little kid. This guy's name is Emilio. Emilio! Um, it's Emilio. Have you ever seen that at the Roxbury? That's <laughs> all I can think of. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. So the little boy comes in. He's like, oh... And I'm talking, it, it happens when the, my favorite scene, the kitchen haunting, where you see flour get thrown around the kitchen and you get milk poured on the kitchen. The little boy comes in. He's like, oh, it's probably Emilio. It's the chef that uh, killed his wife and his mother-in-law. 
and his sister-in-law and and his his wife's lover just nonchalantly throws all of that out there and then just like ah, okay cool <laughs> yeah and then they just go about their business yeah he used a meat cleaver or a meat axes as he would like to say but it's a meat cleaver <laughs> which i guess you could kind of say is in the new one too because the angry princess uh, mm-hmm. was supposed to have slashed herself with a meat cleaver, although we've already decided that it was not a cleaver. It's, like, just a regular kitchen knife. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Amelia's cool. But that also gives you the sixth of the seventh ghost, which is Amelia's wife and her lover. And they... I'm not sure why her mother-in-law and the sister-in-law don't turn into ghosts, though. Because they didn't have, like you said, like, a storyline that kept them there, whereas those ones oh, have, yeah. like, a twisted lover thing. I guess, I guess yeah, that's, um, it. that's the, the lover's triangle these problem. ghosts too like you can kind of see their silhouette but it's not defined yeah. at all you're yeah. like is that little smudgy gray thing a ghost <laughs> I think it's moving oh wait <laughs> it could be dust uh, next is number eight which technically is two ghosts but they only counted it as one <laughs> it's an executioner and the head that he's chopping off and no big deal. our ghost maybe in- that's the floating head ooh maybe putting I don't it know together what that sound was but yeah she just added a red string and uh <laughs> <laughs> solved into it. that really really busy board that we already have going on in our heads and so our ghostly inspiration is the ghost of Rome's gentleman executioner Mastro Tita which was not his given name uh but once the official executioner of Rome, when executions were public, which was a uh, fact for 700 years, he had a well-coveted paying job, because apparently everyone wanted to be the executioner, because that meant you were protected. And he spent... killed people without getting arrested. <laughs> yes, yes. And he was described as being a stellar employee and having scrupulously recorded important details and last wishes of all his the people that he executed in a diary so what i'm beginning from this is he is a paid serial killer who really enjoys his job um he's really good at taking notes that's what i got paid serial killer who likes to take notes who's really good at his job uh, but i'm sure you had to have a little twisted something in you to do that for that long and be so good at it i guess he started when you're starting yeah he started at the age of 17 and Red he flag. killed <laughs> roughly 516 people. His, uh. <laughs> his axe and cloak are in a museum at the Museum of Criminology at Via del Gonfalone. I'm sorry, Via del Gonfalone. Ah, God damn it, Izzy. It's different when you're reading it, huh? <laughs> and <laughs> I, if, I mean, if he's going to haunt anything, it's probably that. Or the place where he used to execute people. Yeah, but, I was going to say, it's either going to be the like the mass place where you could watch the executions happen, or it's just going to be one of his artifacts. But he, I don't know why he would stay and haunt things, because he clearly wasn't tortured by his work. He wasn't murdered. And liked it, yeah. So, I don't really know if he's a ghost. But they have this whole thing there, that at sunrise each day, Master Tita's phantom is said to roam in the vicinity of the castle... Castle? Cent- Castle. Sant'Angelo 
in the Piazza del Popolo around Santa Maria in Cosmerin. We need to take out flipping names of things next time. Uh, It's real hard. Those who have seen his ghost report that he's dressed in his executioner's uniform and that he offers people tobacco, which is like the last kindness that he extended to the people that he was murdering. I guess I guess that's probably something that a lot of people wanted back in the day, so it makes sense. It calms your nerves, I guess. Uh, he, I guess, roams around this town with people that he executed, because <laughs> I guess some of his victims are known to wander near the Ponte Sant'Angelo and the castle, lamenting their unjust and untimely deaths. He's like, hey man, I remember killing you. You struggled a little bit. But I guess I read that he was not allowed to walk, like, outside of a specific section of the city. Like, he had a grid that he was allowed to stay in because he had guards with him at all time or something like that. Because everyone wanted to kill him because he was executing their family members. And so he was kind of, like, confined his whole life to this one part of the city. And if he went outside of it, he was probably going to get murdered. (laughs) That's what happens when you kill 516 people. That's a lot of fucking people, man. <laughs> uh, so our ninth ghost is the Hanging Woman, who you could also revert back to possibly the Irish ghost who hung herself, that fiery redheaded. She didn't bastard. hang herself. She, she was didn't trapped hang herself. in a tree. You're right. You're right. So why was she called the Hanging Woman? I don't know. I was just thinking that as soon as you said that, I was like, I don't know. It's very possible (laughs) that uh, she wasn't called the Hanging Woman. And that was somebody that I had originally put a ghost in there for and meant to move down and deleted on accident. Oh. Well, nonetheless, the Hanging Woman is our ninth ghost. And uh, that concludes the fact that we don't have a ghost for her right now. Sorry. Confusions happened. Although it, I'm it sure happens. there's tons of hanging. Um, oh, there's the conjuring, the witch. There you go. There you go. Nailed Boom. It. Nailed it. <laughs> so ghost number ten, we have the lion, which I still think is the most interesting and random ghost to you know, collect. I mean, I collected a ghost lion. It's just cool. Uh, but the lion was played by an actual lion named named Zamba, who was rescued after being orphaned by the Zambian River. So you know play of the name off the river he was found by um but he was brought to america by ralph he- ralph helfer it's really hard to put two l's and words next to each other um but he was an exotic animal trainer who owned a ranch called nature's heaven wild animal rescue co and unlike other ra- other trainers ralph wanted to adopt an animal training philosophy so he um that he called affection training which emphasizes on love patience understanding and respect which is the kind of training I would love to do with a giant ass animal. Um, yeah, because it's just a big kitty. It's a big kitty. Hey, kitty! There's a kitty in this movie. Exotic trainers of this time were not like movie trainers and stuff. Were not kind. They were very much like like the circus animals. Um, yeah, not treated well. And I, yeah, I would I would love to train animals with lots of love and patience and understanding and respect. Yeah. It, it makes you wonder if this is the inspiration for the backstory of that trainer. The, the trainer ghost that is with the lion who is missing a head, but he like it's like he's almost playing with the lion at some point point in the movie that you see because the lion's like batting at his head and he's just like 
standing up and then bending back over and like standing back up again well, and then bending s- back over. <laughs> he's tr- he's looking in his mouth to find his head because they used to do a trick. So the story for the circus. Oh, smart. Okay, that, I didn't even put that together. It's a lion and his headless circus tamer. And their trick was that the head would open his mouth and the trainer would stick his head in the mouth. And one day the lion ate his head. And so in their afterlife with this buck i think is his name right the little Mm -hmm. boy is watching the tamer try to find his head so that's why he's like ducking down every time the lion opens his mouth is because he's looking for his head and he's bat and the lion bat side is where his head would be (laughs) so zamba was named godfather to ralph's daughter which is so interesting that this daughter had a lion as her godfather but you know whatever that's cool apparently they did everything together (laughs) You know, I would too if I had a lion, let's be honest. Um, but Zamba's on, on Zamba's 18th birthday, he passed away peacefully in the gentle jungle ranch of Colton, Colton, Arizona. <laughs> Ooh, struggle bus. <laughs> it's been a day. <clears throat> uh, so he passed away peacefully on the gentle jungle ranch of Colton, California, and Ralph drove him to the far end of the ranch and buried him next to their favorite tree that they called the old lady. Which, that's really touching and cute. I don't know if this, like, uh, animal rescue space is still there. I didn't look. But if you live in California and you know, let us know. Because I think yeah. that's great. I hope the legacy lives on. I hope there's a little, like, headstone for Zamba. And the ghost number 11 is the headless tamer, as we talked about. The decapitated head carries over into the new version with the torso ghosts, right? They're both like, you can see where their (laughs) gut heads are supposed to be. Um, At least that's the impression I get from the black and white one. I couldn't tell you. They actually gave a backstory to this guy. And his name is Shadrach, and he was a stuntman at a circus who could insert his head into the lion's open mouth without getting his head eaten. However, during one of the stunts, the lion bit his head off, which, what a big-ass lion mouth is that, um, and it killed him. And it was dated October of 1898, and so Dr. Zorba found his ghost in New York. And that's the only ghost that you get, like a really clean backstory that's similar to the newer version of the ghosts. Lion's mouth is as big as the. It's it's like the the lion that you drink out of at the Hogle Zoo. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> it's like the first thing that popped into my head is like, how many times did all of the kids, including you and I, use that lion drinking fountain at the Hogle Zoo? And it's not there anymore. That's because drinking fountains have been deemed unsanitary. Well, yeah, that too. But, like, they took it out, like, years ago. So then you get the 12th ghost, which is Dr. Zorba, who uh, meets his untimely death, suffocated by his bed. And the 13th ghost, who is technically the lawyer. That Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking back to the, the remake for a second. But the lawyer who is ended up killing killed by Dr. Zorba's ghost because he wanted to save his grandnephew? Sure. I don't know. Which, so, you know the, like, spinning ghost thing? Uh Uh-huh. Which ghost do you think that was supposed to be? The lawyer? No. Or the 13th ghost? No. So there's, 
you see a spinning ghost, right? When he's in the basement, one of the ghosts is like spinning. And then at the end, oh, oh. when it flashes through all 13, not that we could see any of them. Um, yeah. That's the one that you can see. It's like a spinning ghost. Do you think that was supposed to be the floating head? Or well, the clutching hand? I don't know. I have no idea. It's just like this miscellaneously spinning thing. I don't know. <laughs> it, again, it's hard to see because this is not exactly meant for uh, TV viewing. But in the poster, you can see they like drew out all of the ghosts. Uh, hmm. None of them were spinning. So I don't know. But uh, so as we talked about, they get Dr. Zorba's journal and they kind of go through it. And it said he traveled the world to get ghosts from a castle in Ireland. The Wailing Lady, as we said. The Catacombs Beneath Rome, which I'm sure just haunted as fuck. A village in Italy, which I imagine is supposed to be the chef. Uh, Tibet. And what I found interesting about mentioning Tibet is that the prominent religions in Tibet do believe in spirits and ghosts. Like, it is part of their religion. And they have days dedicated to, like, evicting ghosts. Oh, and the, interesting. The reason I found this interesting is because these movies are heavily based off of a Christian definition of ghosts. In the newer movie, you have, like, demon, like, yeah, demons with kind of like a heaven and hell, uh-huh. holy ghost thing. But Tibet doesn't believe in those things. So you're kind of crossing over. Uh, religions and definitions of ghosts and they do have a creepy as fuck ghost like it's like a ghost spirit where it's the head of a woman because I was trying to find one for the floating head it's the head of a woman and she has like intestines dangling go read about her she's great maybe I'll do like a I read an article on it someday but uh yeah it's weird uh but that just makes like adaptations of foreign films really different in america so like the grudge is based off of it's japanese right japanese culture i believe so and they too have spirit entities that is part of like their religion or like that's their culture but when you carry it over into an american version it turns into a ghost so it's yeah they're different definitions that alter the way you see the movie. So here it might not be as terrifying as it is in Japan where that's something that they could they like could live with. Right. But yeah, that was my spiel. Love it. And so that really ends our notes on this movie specifically. The first thing I want to talk about is the number 13 because it comes up a lot in our culture and in scary haunted horror movies. It's also my favorite number, my lucky number. And no, it's not just because it's like that trendy. Oh, 13's my lucky number. 13's actually been around in my life personally a lot. And so therefore 13 and 31 specifically are my favorite and luckiest numbers. I don't think we've posted your tattoo of 13. We could definitely do that. I have well my ta- my tattoo. I have a thirteen and a thirty-one that mirror each other. We will throw that in this week's post because we kind yes. of dropped the ball on Katie's tattoo series because sorry life happened and I'm awful at social media. But I also forget to take pictures of my tattoos and some of them are re- weird angles that I can't take a picture by myself. You live with 
a person who could do that for you. But that Who's is like never here. That is neither here nor there. But we'll post it. Um, yeah. Scooby-Doo did a TV series called Scooby-Doo and the Curse of the 13th Ghost in 1985. And the storyline for this is that Shaggy and Scoob, Scooby, sorry, I have the hiccups. Scoobert. Yes, Scoobert, were tricked into opening the Chest of Demons, a magical artifact which houses the 13 most terrifying and powerful ghosts and demons ever to walk the face of the earth. And I guess it ended without conclusion. And so they gave it a resolution in 2019 when they did like a television film for it. And I'm hmm. kind of wondering if the demonic chest of 13 ghosts idea inspired the 2001 version a little bit. Because they sound fairly synonymous in a way. I just thought that was like an interesting, weird crossover tidbit. We do the shit. So on history.com, I looked up kind of the origin of the number 13 as it is in Western culture. And there's a few different origin stories. So there's a myth that says the fear involved in one of the world's oldest legal documents, the Code of Hammurabi, which makes me think of the mummy. Uh Uh-huh. But uh, I guess they, in this chiseled-in rock law source (laughs) document that they had... They left out the 13th law and uh, historians believe that in reality, the omission was just an accident. Like they accidentally skipped the number 13, Uh, but everyone like really led into it (laughs) and they think that it's uh, like a cursed number or something. And that's why it got left off. Right. Um, Everybody thinks it's a cursed number. And... The other thing with this text is that it actually doesn't numerically list laws at all. Like, it's not like number one, blah, blah, blah. It's just like people counted the lines and they were like, oh, my gosh, there's not a 13th law. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Mathematicians and scientists believe that the origin has to do with actually the number 12, which is often considered a perfect number in the ancient world. The ancient Sumerians developed numeral systems based on the use of 12 that is used for measuring time. Calendars, a single day has two 12-hour half days, blah, 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 blah. So because 13 is just shy of perfect, uh, it's lacking and therefore like evil, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) That's why I like it so much. I like the underdog. (laughs) Um, the, another origin story for it would be the popular theory that it is unlucky, which would revolve around the appearance of a 13 guest at two ancient events in the Bible. There we go. Having like a Christian influence. Uh, Mm -hmm. so Judas Iscariot, who, if you don't know, is the one who supposedly betrayed Jesus. And that's why in movies they're like, Judas, that's typically the person who betrayed um, the 13 ghosts who arrive at the last 13th guest, sorry, I'm stuck on the word ghost <laughs> to arrive at the last supper is the person who betrays Jesus. Uh, the 13th mm. chapter of the revelation is reserved to the antichrist and to the beast. 
It is also the day when Christ is said to have died on the cross. And in ancient Norse lore, they believe that evil and turmoil were first introduced in the world by the appearance of the treacherous and mischievous god Loki. And that he, he appeared at a dinner party in Valhalla. He was the 13th guest, upsetting the balance of the 12 gods already in attendance. So again, damn it, Loki. it's just that idea that like 12 is best and 13 is like the ugly stepchild. Yep. And another idea is that the number 13 is, like we said, it's a primarily a Western construct that it's like unlucky. Some cultures, including ancient Egyptians, actually considered number 13 lucky. And other cultures think different numbers are unlucky. So in a lot of Asia, they avoid the number four. Hmm. According to the Stress Management Center and Phobia Institute in Asheville, North Carolina, whoop whoop, more than <laughs> 80% of high-rise buildings in the United States do not have a 13th floor, and the vast majority of hotels, hospitals, and airports avoid using the number of rooms and gates as well. Yep. While some buildings avoid their 13th floor, Vancouver, Canada, they are not allowed to do that. The Canadian city used to let builders jump to number 14 to avoid the unlucky number. However, it kind of started getting out of hand when other cultures also requested that they skip that number. So, like, anything that had a 4 in it because of Asian tourism. Mm. So, 4, 14, 24, 34, like, it goes on. And because it was starting to get a little unruly, uh, they ended up making it illegal to skip floors huh interesting because i for the longest time i didn't believe that hotels and stuff skipped like i did not believe that and now in almost any building i go into that has an elevator that has more than 13 13 floors i look just because now i'm so curious because the last one of the last hotels i stayed in was for a conference i went to for morning shows and I was talking to one of my friends at the conference and they were like, no, really, it doesn't have a 13th floor look. And I checked the dial and it, it didn't. What kills me is that just because you don't call it the number 13. It's still the 13th floor. It's still the 13th floor. Exactly. Yeah. Whether you name it the 13th or not, it's that. Um, and then the tarot cards also bring in the number 13. Um, so the number 13 brings the test, the suffering, and the death in tarot cards it symbolizes the death to the matter or to oneself and the birth to the spirit the passage on a higher level of existence in tarot number 13 card is named death but it mostly means death of a struggling period and a new beginning not so much like someone's gonna die as horror movies would want you to believe in (laughs) some tarot decks the 13th mystery of the tarot does not have a name it marks the uncertainty hesitation or a transformation, end of something, the death, quote unquote, and renewal, a rupture that is, I think it meant to say rapture, <laughs> that's like an important change. And so now, just, I'm going to blow through some fun facts about the number 13th, and then I'm going to hand it over to Katie. So there are approximately 13 cycles of the moon each year. There are 13. That's fucking awesome, and I love the moon. I'm sorry. I have an obsession with the moon, and I have moon phases tattooed on my body. And so. Which is weird that there's 13 phases of the moon, and that, like, our calendar and everything is based off of. 13 cycles. 
phases of the cycle. moon. You're right. Sorry. 13 cycles of the moon. Which throws me back. I think Chinese New Year. Or not Chinese New Year. But the Chinese calendar is based off a lunar calendar. So I think there's 13 cycles in their year. Which is why their like, New Year is different than ours. Right. I think. Really Don't quote me on that. But anyways. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, there yeah. are 13 cards in each suit in a standard deck of playing cards. The four seasons each have 13 weeks. Children become teenagers at 13. The dollar bill has many icons with 13 elements, including the pyramid, letters in E, uh, pluribus unum, 13 arrows, and 13 stars. Boom. Prohibition in the United States lasted for 13 years, from 1920 to 1933, which is really why people think it's unlucky, is because of that. Yeah, take away all the alcohol. <laughs> 13 is a prime number and a Fibonacci number. The number 13 is highly represented in the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose. I love that house. Love that house. We should do that movie. Uh, yes. There's 13 bathrooms, 13 steps in the staircase, et cetera, et cetera. The pattern goes on. Um, I think this one is the, the coolest, like, random thing ever. I mean, this one is kind of, like, reaching a little bit, but it's really cool. It's still cool, yeah. <laughs> the fact that someone went through and did this is great. Um, <laughs> it just so happens that quite a few silly killers, serial killers, have 13-letter names. Charles Manson, Jeffrey Dahmer, Theodore Bundy, Albert DeSalvo, Jack the Ripper, uh, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Adolphus Hitler is his given name. Yeah. And that is upsetting how many letters my first name is almost 13 so i'm good <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you're pretty over i have 12 Ooh, see you're the special number <laughs> i have 12 uh according to the magazine time millions of individuals uh really hate the number 13 or fear it like there's a whole phobia um, and that includes the famous horror writer stephen king Mm-hmm. who back in 1984 he admitted to stepping over the 13th stair he feels uncomfortable watching channel 13 he refuses to pause on page 13 and even on pages that add up to 13 like 94 uh, while huh. reading while reading books he is quote unquote saying it's neurotic sure but it's also dot 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 safer huh. uh uh He's a loon. What if he, like, skipped page 13 in his books? I feel like that would be really cool. It just goes from 12 to 14. Yeah. Or he just, like, didn't write it because the page is still there, but he just didn't number that page. Yeah, it's just a blank number or a blank no number page. And my last one, on a Friday the 13th in 1972, a plane crashed in the Andes and the survivors... To survive, I guess, is the only way you could define <laughs> that. Um, they resorted to cannibalism, which, if nobody knows that story, that is the soccer team, mm-hmm. which is so upsetting. Yeah. And on that very same day, a Russian plane crashed near Moscow, killing 174 people. And on a Friday the 13th of 2006, nearly 400,000 people lost power in Buffalo, New York, when a blizzard buried the city in two feet of snow in October. So I get like, oh, the point of that fact was to say that, yes, like shitty things are associated with Friday the 13th. But you could also pick any other day of the year and be like, oh, my gosh, look at all the awful things that happened that day. So yeah, for real. But yeah, I don't do that kind of superstitious stuff. 
but I think it's really interesting that there are is such a big thing about it. So oh yeah, it's a massive thing. But this concludes my number thirteen. Da, 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 da. And then, um, so we kind of changed up the horror history deal for fun, and instead of doing just like actual like horror history people that were born on this day and this kind of shit, <laughs> we went through a lot of uh, well movies itself and found days that things happened on in movies things that happen on specific days in movies specifically this will also be hopefully a thing we add to the more movies we watch if you yeah. c- catch dates in movies that Let you us want know. us to add yeah we have like this big running list um some of this stuff we put on there ourselves some of the stuff we pulled from other websites that we've just put together some of these we like yeah. looked up specific movies and said when did this happen so if you want to add to it, let us know, and we will include your credits. So Anyways. in May, in May, a lot of um, Final Destination stuff happens. <laughs> Not just like the first movie. I'm talking about like a lot of the fucking movies. Um, so Billy Hitchcock from Final Destination, the original, he was technically born on in May of 1984. In Final Destination 2, there is a kid named Tim Carpenter who was born... He's um he's the one that gets killed by a falling glass like pane of glass, glass pane. It falls out of the sky out of a crane and it just crushes him to death. Um but he was born in May of nineteen eighty six. Then you get May before the two before the thirteenth of two thousand. William Bloodworth gets promoted from Undertaker to to Mortician and opens the um Bloodworth Funeral Home. Then in May th- on May 13th, 2000, the Volet Airlines uh, Flight 180 explosion occurs. This is in Final Destination. This is the flight that kills a whole bunch of people that Alex ends up saving six others from the flight, from that vision that he has. The events of Final Destination 2 occur between May 13th and May 15th of 2001. In the spring of... 2001 there's a comic book written about final destination called final destination spring break so you could go read about that happening not sure what happens in it kind of curious so if you've read the comic let me know (laughs) i want to know what kind of deaths are in it final destination has the weirdest fucking deaths man in may on may 2nd of 2009 this is when the group of adults is killed by jason in the remake of after may 2nd in 2009 whitney's mother dies and her brother die or her her brother clay begins to look for her and that's when the 2009 remake kind of starts. And if you've ever seen all of the Chuckies and or the new ones, the events of Curse of Chucky occur in May 2013. While you were spitting those out, I was just thinking um, May is typically prom season. So although I haven't verified these, uh, a lot of prom themed movies. So Carrie, uh, Prom Night, the, I think it, there's an original to that and the Britney Snow version. Um, and you know, all the versions of Carrie, but that kind of stuff is April, May time frame. So I imagine those events probably took place in May as well. We're going to add to and take as we watch movies. So each year, hopefully we'll have new things to present each month. And thus concludes this episode. Thank part, you for joining us. Yeah. Part two of 13 ghosts. So uh, if you want to see the picture of our tattoo and some other cool things we've got going on you can follow us on instagram at horror underscore cats underscore witch hats 
You can find us on Facebook with the same tag, horror underscore cats underscore witch hats. And you mm-hmm. should also send us your personal movie reviews, movies you want us to do, cat photos, stories, whatever you want to talk about, to our Gmail at horror cats witch hats, all one word at gmail.com. And until then, don't forget to, like she said earlier, rate, review, like, subscribe, uh, do anything but curse wherever you're listening to this podcast. Get a vicious cat in there. What about the lion? Oh no, dude! I did. I discovered this thing. If you uh, if you get a if you get a uh, uh, paper paper towel tube tube. Thank you. Um, and you like snarl into it. It sounds like a fucking lion's roar. What does the snarl sound like? Okay. Well, not that. But it, I mean, even if you just like, if you're just like, it sounds like a solid <laughs> like bear is growling. Like it's fucking hilarious.